Hello and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst and I'm your host for the show and one of the pastors at Life Church. And uh, we are continuing or actually finishing up our series called Hidden Figures, where we've been highlighting some key figures in our history and early church history, the church fathers, specifically black or African church fathers. And uh, you're going to hear from Pastor John Grandy. Now, if that name sounds newer to you, uh, it's because it, it might be he hasn't preached in a while on our stage, but he's our discipleship pastor. He's um I guess a lot of the brains behind what we call life journey, and that is our specific track for people to grow in their ability to make disciples, which is one of the main things that Jesus asked us to do before he ascended to the Father in heaven. And um, and so I encourage you to check out information on the life journey by going to lifechurchcanton.org slash life journey. Uh, but back to John, he is preaching on uh, the figure of Athanasius. Athanasius. And so this is a wonderful sermon, um, specifically keen in on the topic of is Jesus fully God and fully man? And what does that mean? And how does all of that work? Um, so I think you're going to enjoy this message. Also, I want to invite you, if you're a first time listener or maybe second time and you haven't yet subscribed, go ahead and do so, uh, so that you can get regular information, regular updates on what we're doing as a church and, um, any, any kind of extra information as far as the podcast is concerned. And then also, I want to invite you to prayerfully consider giving to Life Church. Um, and all of that, all of what we do, all of our digital content uh, is made possible because of your generosity and your giving. And so if you would like more information on that and you would like to give, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org slash give. And all of that information is available on our show page notes, um, and it will be available on our website as well. So for now, Enjoy this message from Pastor John Grandy on Athanasius. Hey, Life Church. My name is John. I'm the discipleship pastor here, and it is my joy and passion to help people grow in their walk with God and thrive every day in life with Him. Whether you're online in the, per- in the room or joining us in a podcast, we're so glad that you're here today to be with God together, to grow and sharpen each other together here in church. Welcome to the final week of our series called Hidden Figures. In this series, we're honoring unsung heroes of the faith. These are brothers and sisters from Africa that have made an invaluable investment into our faith that we believe today. They were essential in forming the beliefs and practices that we hold today as Christians that we don't always think about. We don't realize how much sacrifice was made to give us what we believe today. And so far in this series, we've talked about the impact of Tertullian, Origen, and Augustine. Today, the hidden figure that we'll talk about is Athanasius. These hidden figures fought against false beliefs that threatened to crumble the identity and integrity of Christianity. Some of these hidden figures were martyrs who were separated from their families, exiled, tortured, killed to protect our faith, to give us what we have today. These men and women devoted their entire lives to safeguarding our beliefs so that they could pass them down to us. One of those men was Athanasius. Now, Athanasius has a name that's kind of hard to say, so I want us to practice it together. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, Athanasius, as fast as you can. And then you can respond to them by saying, God bless you. (laughs) 
Now, Athanasius was born in 293 in Alexandria, Egypt, along the Nile River. He was present at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD as a deacon. Now, what was significant about this council was it was the first time that the leaders of the church from around the world gathered in one place. And the reason they gathered was because they had to talk about a crisis that was erupting in the church, about the nature of Jesus. If you build a faith around a Messiah, you better get him right. And they were struggling to understand who Jesus was. The crisis centered around this question. Was Jesus fully God and fully human? Two of the men central to this conflict were Athanasius and his opponent, Arius. After the council, Athanasius became such a force for this conversation that he was the champion of the Nicene cause, what they talked about at this council. One of the greatest leaders of the fourth century, he was made bishop of Alexandria in 328 AD. Athanasius was a man of the people who did not get caught up in church politics. He was very disciplined and even respected by some of his enemies. On the other hand, some of his enemies were downright racist. Since he was short in stature and very dark in complexion, they mockingly called him the black dwarf. Friends, can I pause for just a minute? What's up with that? Not only did the opponents of Athanasius disagree with what he said, they were Christians, by the way. They took cheap shots at the image of God in him by making fun of his skin color and his height. Brothers and sisters, racism is incompatible with Christianity. How can we mock the image of God in someone when we're called to celebrate it, when we're called to fight for each other and stand by each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and to model to the world what that looks like? Question for you. How can you celebrate the image of God in someone with a different ethnicity than you? This is something we need to do intentionally because this is who we are as Christians. Athanasius was passionate about the image of God in humanity. In fact, according to him, the presence of God made human is at the very heart of Christianity and not just our faith, but of human history. It's that important. Why? Because Jesus was literally the image of God on earth. That is who Jesus was. John 1.14 was crucial to the theology of Athanasius. I want to read that together. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Central to this scripture is the belief that Jesus truly is fully God and fully human. We see it right here in the scripture. And Athanasius unpacked that, believed that, saw it so clearly throughout the scriptures about how Jesus represents God and is God. And today we accept this truth, but back then they were still hashing it out. I want you to just stop and think for a moment. How could God Almighty be fully God and fully human at the same time? It doesn't make sense. It's a mystery. In fact, so often those two things contradict each other. We look at the brokenness of our humanity and say, how could we ever be like God? And so there's this dissonance that is in our minds when we wrestle with this question, how can this be possible? 
It's a mystery that was so crucial to the nature of God that Athanasius was willing to suffer for it. Church historian Justo Gonzalez writes, Athanasius argued that the corruption of humanity as a result of sin was such that a new creation was required, a radical reformation and restoration of what had been destroyed by sin. Christ has achieved our salvation because in him God has entered human history and opened the way for us to return to him. In short, Athanasius believed that God became man so that man could become like God. See, Jesus is the only bridge that reconnects us to God. The only bridge that brings us back into relationship with God because he knew that our sin had irreparably disconnected us from God and he had to come and be the bridge that allowed us to come back to God and be in relationship with him again. If Jesus is not fully human and fully God, then the bridge to salvation is broken. The Son cannot be a bridge between God and humanity if it does not extend fully to both ends, right? How can you bridge between humanity and God if you don't know both sides? Scripture says that Jesus became human in every way like us except for sin so that he could relate to us and redeem us and show us how to get back to God. But for opponents like Arius, these truths about Jesus were just too hard to wrap his mind around. Arius didn't have issues with God the Father. In fact, he had such a high view of God that he couldn't see how God could lower himself so much to become a human. How could God Almighty be fully human? Just like we said a moment ago, it doesn't always make sense. And in Arius' mind, this cheapened God's holiness. According to Arius, Jesus was fully human, but not fully God. He believed the Father created the Son before the rest of creation. So, in his view, Jesus was just a perfect human mentor who modeled for us the way to salvation, but he was not God. He was someone we could aspire to and kind of follow along the path that he made for us, but he was just a creation like any one of us. Before you go and dismiss Arius as a heretic, I need you to know that he almost won over Christianity. He was attractive. He was able to speak well. He lured people into his way of thinking. He even created chants that they would sing and say so that they could remember what he was teaching them. But he was taking them off the path that Jesus showed us, that he modeled for us in the way that he lived and taught. In fact, so many Christians followed Arius instead of Athanasius that Athanasius was exiled five times by four different Roman emperors for a total of 17 years because he opposed Athanasius. He suffered greatly for this truth that he was willing to fight for. Think about this. When Arius subtracted Jesus' divinity, he cut the bridge to salvation. If Arius would have won, it would have destroyed the church. We would have become like any other man-made religion that says that Jesus is just a good moral teacher, but there's nothing special about him. We would have been permanently ripped apart from God with no way back to him destined for hell. We would be no different than any other religion on this earth. If Jesus is not God, we are stuck in human brokenness with no hope 
of redemption. Siding with Arius would have buried Jesus in the grave with no resurrection, with no hope of new life. If Arius was correct, then Jesus was either a liar or a lunatic, but he was not Lord. C.S. Lewis, one of 20th century's greatest Christian thinkers, explained it this way. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. They would say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said could not be just a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us because he did not intend to. C.S. Lewis was right. Jesus must only be one of three options, a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. Arius made Jesus look like a liar because Jesus clearly said that he was God and this was too much for Arius. So he cut Jesus to fit into a box that he could understand. Friends, we do the exact same thing today when we believe and live like Jesus is too much or not enough. When we add to or subtract from Jesus to get a result that we want instead of accepting Jesus for who he is. Over the next few minutes, we need to wrestle with some hard things. When we face hard things, our tendency is to want to run. In fact, when I have these conversations, my wife and I talk about these hard things together. She says she wants to run for the hills. And the mental image I have of that is just hilarious, watching her with dust behind her running for the hills. But she has learned to lean into the tension because God uses the tension and truth to transform us. So lean into the tension and let God transform you. What happens when we live like Jesus is too much? When Jesus is too much, we subtract from him to fit into our box, just like Arius did. I want to give you a simple formula to help you remember this. And the formula is this. Jesus minus X equals Y. X represents the thing that you want to cut away from Jesus. And Y represents what you're looking for when you do that, your desired outcome. I want to give you a couple examples of this to let it hit home, to show you what this looks like. And I want to ask you to think about what this looks like in your own life. Because I'm convinced that we all do this in different ways. Jesus minus sacrifice equals comfort. 
In America, we live in a kingdom of comfort. We'll do almost everything we can to be secure and comfortable. If we have any kind of pain, we'll pop a pill to get rid of it. And there's nothing wrong with medication when it's needed, but how often do we numb the pain just because it's uncomfortable? Are we willing to step into the pain of sacrifice? This is the heart of the American dream after all, isn't it? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We'll compare that to Matthew 16, 24, when Jesus says, deny, die, and follow. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That's what he has called us to as Christians. I don't think the cross was very comfortable, do you? And Jesus has called us to pick up our cross and follow him. This is so much different than the American form of Christianity that we can often create, where Jesus just wants to give us good things to make us feel comfortable and give us money so that we can be affluent and have everything we'd ever want or dream so that we never had to face anything hard. When the truth is, we have to be willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus. It's nothing short of willingness to sacrifice, to take up our cross, to deny, die, and follow. Jesus minus trust equals control. Jesus wants us to trust him to lead our lives, but we like to call the shots, know what to expect, and never be surprised by anything. We like control. Control offers us the illusion of security and comfort and safety. But control doesn't leave room for trust because in order to trust, we have to put our life in someone else's hands. Students, if you can learn to let go of control at a young age and learn to trust, you will enjoy the best years of your life with Jesus by your side. This is my story. I gave my life to Christ when I was 12 years old and I have never stopped following him since that day. And I will never regret that decision. Students, you get to make that decision And we're going to cheer you on every step of the way as you let go of control and choose to trust in Jesus. Today, after this service, I get to go and celebrate with my niece, Grace, who's 14 years old. And she's getting baptized. She's decided that she wants to go public with her faith and commit everything to follow him, to let go of control. Students, you can make that same decision on May 2nd at our next New Life Sunday to be baptized, to go public and say you want to live your life to follow Jesus and you will never regret it. This one stings a little bit. Jesus minus tithe equals financial security. I won't be financially secure if I give sacrificially like Jesus told me to give, so I'll just give what I decide. He's not really my Lord. I mean, I get to make decisions based on what I want, what's comfortable, what makes sense, what's secure. So I'll just decide my own answer on this question, but I won't give sacrificially. We could keep going all day long. Question for you. Is Jesus too much for you? How do you subtract from him to fit into your box? How much Is he too much for you? What are you uncomfortable with? What do you try to cut away from him to make it more palatable to understand him? What kind of savior have you created by doing that? 
Maybe you don't struggle with thinking like Jesus is too much. Maybe you think he's not enough. What does it look like to live like Jesus is not enough? When Jesus is not enough, you add to him to get what you want. And the formula is similar. Jesus plus X equals Y. X represents what you are adding to him. And Y represents what you want, what you're trying to get out of that equation. Jesus plus a perfect body equals acceptance. Others won't accept me, and I certainly can't accept myself until I reach my goal weight. I must change the thing I don't like about myself. You name what that thing is. We all know what those things are about ourselves before others will accept me. When they do, only then can I accept myself. When we don't accept ourselves, we're unkind to our bodies. And like Pastor Nathan said earlier in the series, we treat our bodies like trash dumps instead of temples of the Holy Spirit. If you missed that message, go back and listen to it or watch it. It's powerful. It shows us how to escape the trap of this equation. Jesus plus achievement equals success. We think that success comes from achieving more. If I can go to a great school and get a promising degree, I'll become successful and make lots of money. If I climb the ladder in my company, I'll get to where I want to go. But the problem is, at the top of the ladder is an, another rung, and success is never enough. Students, don't fall for this success trap. As you think about your career, as a youth pastor for 10 years, I've seen too many students sacrifice their soul on the altar of success. Don't do it. Discover what God has called you to do and pursue that. Success isn't measured by dollar signs. It's measured by chasing after your destiny and watching God show you how he's designed you to live and how he wants you to impact this earth. If you're struggling with this, no matter what age you are, whether a student or you're thinking of a career change, whatever that looks like for you, I want to encourage you to be a part of the Life Journey Advanced course. In this course, we tell you, teach you how the Holy Spirit is central to your identity. He wants to guide you along the best pathway for your life to show you what your spiritual gifts are, your personality, your strengths, and your calling. Can you imagine what kind of clarity you would have on your career and your identity if you knew the answer to those questions? Students, it's worth the effort before you choose your career. Know who you are so you can know what to do. Because when we maximize our design, we magnify our designer. He's the one who made us and created us. When we live in that design, we get to make him look good and magnify him through our lives. Jesus plus my missing person equals companionship. I'm single and I won't be content until I'm dating someone or married. My husband and I have been trying to conceive a child and it's just not working. I won't be complete until I have a child or someone next to me in a relationship. I want to be sensitive. This one is particularly painful. Longing for someone to join your family can feel all-consuming. And I want to comfort you and tell you that Jesus is with you in this longing. He's with you in it. He feels it with you. 
And he is enough. Question, is Jesus not enough for you? How do you add to him to get the satisfaction that you're looking for? See, Jesus is either too much, not enough, or he is enough. He can only be one of those three options. Athanasius believed that Jesus was enough, and after 17 years of exile and much struggle, he finally convinced the church to believe him. He finally showed them who Jesus was. His secret weapon for this was John 1, 1 through 5. And this is our main scripture for today. So I'd love for you to turn there or scroll there with us in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This scripture is, sounds poetic. It's kind of hard to understand when you hear all these words. And it was with God in the beginning, was God, it was with God, and we can get confused. What was John saying through this? What John was saying, what Athanasius believed, was that Jesus was co-equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit, meaning that they were equal as the Trinity, three persons, one God. They were equal together. Jesus coexisted, meaning that he existed with the Father and the Holy Spirit from the beginning. He always existed, and he was never created like Arius said he was. He was co-eternal. Not only did he exist forever, but he will exist forever, eternally, with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Believing this is the only way that Jesus can be the Lord of our lives and the bridge of salvation. The original word here for word is logos. John uses this word a couple times here. The ancient philosophers understood logos as knowledge that governed the universe. According to them, this knowledge was abstract and hard to wrap your mind around because it was invisible. You couldn't see it. But even though it was mysterious, it was essential because they believed that Logos was the source of all truth. So what was significant about what John was saying is Logos is not this mystical, abstract concept out beyond us. In fact, it's not a concept at all. Logos is a person named Jesus Christ. We've been looking for truth. We've been looking for God all along. And John says, I know who it is. I know what Logos is. It's Jesus. He is the truth we've been looking for. Question, is Jesus Lord of your life? Is he enough for you? Before you answer quickly, of course he's Lord. Let me ask you a question. Does Jesus determine how you spend your time, your money, and your energy, or do you? If someone is your Lord, they get to call the shots in your life, if you make all your own decisions, then Jesus is not your Lord. You are. I am. Friends, may I submit to you that Jesus is a much better Lord than we are? Maybe we should let him do his job in our lives and watch how he will transform us. When Jesus is Lord of your life, he is enough for you. 
And when Jesus is enough, we get to live in a much better equation than the ones that we've been talking about. When Jesus is enough, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus is enough without taking away or adding to him. Colossians 2.9 says that Jesus is all the fullness of the Trinity in human form. This means that through Jesus, we have access to the full power of God. What more do you need than the full presence and power of God? That is enough. How could we add to or take away from that power and insult the almighty power of God? How dare we when he has given us enough to satisfy everything we could ever want or need or imagine, even in trials, even in hardships, he is enough. Even in joy, we think we're at the top of the world, he is enough for us. This doesn't mean that you can't have financial security. This is such good news. It doesn't mean you can't have those things we talked about, success, achievement, or companionship. It just means that you approach all of it from a perspective of enough. When he is enough, he satisfies us, and all those other things are just like the cherry on top. But we don't climb and clamor after it. We just get to accept him for who he is. When Jesus plus nothing equals everything, you feel complete even when you are single. You experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control no matter what season of life you're in, no matter what circumstances you are in, because they're not based on the circumstances, based on the Holy Spirit who does not change and will not move and is your foundation that you can trust in and anchor your life in no matter what. But he must be enough for you to sustain you through those seasons. When Jesus plus nothing equals everything, we stay anchored in the storms of life. They can't touch us. We get to weather them. We are more than conquerors, as scripture says. We get to live in wholeness and trust that God will provide all of our needs. And here's the best part. When Jesus plus nothing equals everything, you can experience eternal life right now. Check out what John says just a couple chapters later in John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus is talking. He says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed over from death to life. Did you catch that? They have already crossed over from death into life. You don't have to wait till heaven to experience this kind of life. Jesus gives it to us now and it grows into eternity. How amazing is that? We get to live with an eternal perspective and this is the lens through which we look at the rest of life. If you thought that was good, there's more. If you only hear one thing that I have to say today, I want you to listen to what I have to say next. When Jesus uses the word life here, he's not just talking about the fact that you are breathing or happy or healthy. He's talking about something much, much deeper than all of that. The word that Jesus uses for life in the scripture that we just read is the very same word that he uses 
in John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I want to read that again. He said, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what is this mysterious word for life that I keep speaking of? Zoe. Zoe is the Apostle John's favorite word. How do I know that? Because he uses it 36 times in his gospel. That's almost double the amount that any other book in the Bible uses that word. What was it about this, this word? What was it about this life, this Zoe, that he wanted us to get into our hearts and minds? Why was he so passionate about this word? Because the everything in Jesus plus nothing equals everything is Zoe. Zoe is the absolute fullness of life that belongs to God. It is satisfaction, fulfillment, joy, peace, and contentment even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of COVID. Athanasius experienced Zoe life when he was in exile for 17 years. He would escape to the desert where there was these monks who were writing and experiencing the presence of God to protect the, the faith of the church, really. And he would escape to these monks and say, hey, remind me what this is all about. He got weary in his journey, and they helped him stay centered on the Zoe life. Zoe life is something that you cannot discover on this earth, but only comes from God. You could go on every dream vacation, get a million-dollar paycheck, read every self-help book, work till you have the perfect body, and become a president, CEO, of a Fortune 500 company, and you won't have Zoe life because you can't find it in any of those things. I saw a quote on Facebook this week by actor Jim Carrey, and it fits so well. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Now, Jim had everything. He reached the top in his acting career, and he discovered this for himself. Now, Jim doesn't tell us the answer, but we know what the answer is now, don't we? Zoe, the presence and the power of Jesus. I want to share with you what I'm learning as I make space for Zoe life in my life. One of the ways that I believe that Jesus is too much is Jesus minus soul care equals ministry. It's easy for me to get busy in, in my job and in what I do for God that it can often steal. I get so busy that it steals away from the investment in myself and I can lead from an empty tank. What happens is I begin to do ministry for Jesus instead of with him. And I feel the pressure and the weight of all of that. This is one of the things that I'm working on with my spiritual director. She encouraged me to get outside and spend some time with God in nature and think of these times as mini retreats with God to give them significance. She explained that the soul needs to have space to breathe so we can be in touch with our soul cravings, invite God into them to fulfill us and satisfy us. So I bought some nice hiking boots, grabbed my dog Gus and hit the trail to experience winter wonderland. We breathed in the crisp air and enjoyed these moments with God. And as we did, we opened up our hearts and experienced the presence of God. I did. I don't know if he did, but um, 
It was an amazing moment to feel the weight and the pressure of anxiety and stress just begin to fall off. To deep, breathe deep and experience the presence of God. And just as I was doing that, I watched Gus bounding through the snow like a banshee right past me. And I chuckled. And God spoke to me right then in that moment. He said, that's the kind of freedom and joy that I want for you. Friends, this is Zoe life. In this moment, Jesus was enough for me because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And practicing Zoe life is making space for God to speak, getting rid of the distractions and the things that we get so caught up with in this world and recentering ourselves on an eternal perspective, knowing that Jesus is enough. And when we live from that place, we can face anything in this life. And Jesus can shape us through it and allow us to be a light to others, to spread this to others, because Zoe was not meant for us to keep for ourselves, but it was meant to be shared for others. How do we live like Jesus plus nothing equals everything? I want to give you some action steps so that we can live this out, so that we can begin to experience this together. The first thing, I want to personally invite you to be a part of a seven-day journey with me through the Word of God. It's a study called Making Space. It'll start tomorrow, and you'll see the link on the screen. You can feel free to write that down. Click on the link, and you'll be able to walk with us as we uh, embrace and encounter Scripture, a devotional, and then an insight from me. You're welcome to also add your own insight to this. What's amazing is we already have at least 20 who are signed up to be a part of this. There's probably more from last, uh, the last ser- uh, service. And we'd love for you to go on this journey with us as we just make space to hear God in our lives. We'll, we'll go over five different spiritual habits that we can develop through Lent, which is the season that we're in right now to prepare us for Easter. Fun fact, Lent was created during the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., which is the council we talked about earlier. So I just think it's incredibly appropriate that they realized that we needed to spend time with God and create space in Lent before we can celebrate the resurrection. And thankfully, we had the resurrection to celebrate because Arius didn't win. And we get to celebrate it every year as if it were new again, as if Jesus was willing to sacrifice for us again because he would, but he doesn't have to because his sacrifice was enough. And we celebrate that on Easter. I want you to think about how Jesus is too much or not enough for you and why. Journal about how your life would look different if Jesus was enough for you. Create a vision, cast an idea of what it could look like to give your whole life to him, every part of it, to resist the ways that you add to or subtract from him. And the last thing is be the light Share the vision of cross equals love. As Nathan talked about earlier, next week we're heading into a series called Cross Equals Love. And this is where we get to show the world our Zoe, where we get to be lights to them, to show them who Jesus is. In fact, John 1.5, he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Zoe is meant to be shared. It's meant to be a light that we can shine in the darkness and the church should be this for the world. 
In fact, I talked to Pastor Nathan and we're changing our name to Zoe Church. Just kidding, we're not. But every time you think about Life Church, I want you to think about Zoe because that's who we are. And that's what we want to invite others into the power and the presence of God, the fullness of life that only He can give because it belongs to Him. This is our heart behind the cross equals love. The cross is the greatest symbol of love the world has ever seen. And Jesus proved how much he was willing to go wherever it took, wherever it took him to pay the price for our sin and rescue us. Let's invite others into this life. The world feels dark right now. And Jesus has called us to be a light in the darkness. Those of you who believe, I want you to investigate your life. How have you been adding to or taking away from Jesus? In just a moment, we're going to take communion together. And as you take communion, I want you to think about how you can recommit to him as the Lord of your life. Let it be a fresh and new commitment today to honor his sacrifice by making sure that he's Lord in your life. And maybe you've been listening and Jesus is not your Lord. Maybe he's a liar or a lunatic in your eyes, and maybe you wouldn't have said it like that, but he can only be liar, Lord, or lunatic. Which one is it for you? Maybe you're listening and you're like, I'm tired of adding to or taking away from my life to try to get the satisfaction that I want and need, and I want this kind of life that only Jesus can give me. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. Father, I thank you that you sent your son. You sacrificed everything for us to rescue us. Jesus, thank you for that price that you paid. Thank you for Zoe life that you give us so that we can live in connection with you so that we can experience this life that can only come from you. I pray for my friends who are saying yes to this decision to make you Lord of their life. And if that's you, just tell Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want this Zoe life. I want to stop settling for less. I want everything that you have to give for me so that I can live in this life and share it with others. And I want to live for you and with you for the rest of my life. Well, once again, I hope you enjoyed that message. Um, I think one of the things that sticks out to me is just uh, when John talked about control and I, I just, I want to control so much in my life. I don't necessarily want Jesus or need, feel like I need Jesus uh, to come alongside me um, in the areas where I struggle. And so I just take over in my own wisdom and my own power. Um, and yet I'm reminded that uh, Jesus actually gives us his spirit to know what power looks like and to know what control looks like and to uh, submit myself to that spirit and to the, the spirit's movement in my life. And so uh, that's my prayer for you too, as you um, go through your day and your week, um, that you would uh, give control over to God and what he's doing in your life. 
Uh, thanks again for listening. If you're ever looking for more information, go to our now page. It's lifechurchcanton.org now. And you can know about our most up-to-date information, specifically our upcoming series called Cross Equals Love. And you can also go to easterlife.com to find out more about Cross Equals Love. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you soon.